Well, good morning. We've got a great gospel passage this morning, and I want to look at one verse in particular, and it's when Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Or in older translations, uh, it will read, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the question I wanted to consider this morning is, what does that actually mean? What does it mean to fish for people? Jesus says this to Peter and Andrew, to James and John, but he also says it to us. He says that if you follow me, and this means more than admiring me or agreeing with me or even seeing me as your savior, he says, if you follow me, if you become my student, my apprentice, if you walk the path I lay out for you, if you do this, I will make you fish for people. And so again, what does that actually mean? Now, I do think when Jesus says this about fishing for people, I think he's talking about more than just signing people up for church, getting a strong attendance at the newcomers class. There's more to it than this. And I think if we're going to understand this little phrase from Jesus, we need to start with the sea and think about what the sea symbolizes in the Bible. You know, the fish are in the sea, and Jesus says, I'm going to help you pull the fish out of the sea. So what does the sea symbolize in the scriptures? I think when we think about the sea or the ocean, we might get a peaceful feeling. I mean, I love going to the ocean, but we might have this beautiful picture in our mind of of calm water with, with boats floating by. But what we need to know is that in the Bible, the sea symbolized something very different. There is this consistent pattern in the scriptures where the sea represents chaos, and evil. And that kind of makes sense. I mean, the sea can be a scary place, and it was a scary place for the Israelites. Right? The sea was uncontrollable. Big storms would arise out of nowhere. You could drown in the sea. The sea would literally swallow you up. And there were these strange creatures in the depths of the sea. And so the sea, very early on, it came to symbolize the forces of evil, the forces that are aligned against God, the forces that are out of control in the world. Psalm 74 says this, God, you have conquered the sea with your might. You have broken the heads of the sea monsters and crushed the head of the Leviathan. Isaiah says, The wicked are like the tossing sea. They cannot rest. And in Revelation, the very end of the scriptures, when we're given a picture of the new heavens and the new earth, there's this point that Revelation makes that in the new heaven and new earth, there will be no sea. And so it's just symbolic language saying that there will be no more death and evil and darkness. The sea will be gone. 
So the sea, for the Israelites, it symbolized evil. Not that the sea was evil. It was just a symbol for evil. And if we think about the sea in this way, what does it mean to fish people out of the sea? Well, it means to save them from this darkness. You know, the problem with our world, this sea that we find ourselves in, the problem is it's fallen. We're surrounded by sin. And it's not just out there. As we know, it's in here. We are self-centered. We are wrapped up in ourselves. And our self-centeredness, it makes us unhappy. It sows seeds of discontent. It damages our relationships. And ultimately, it alienates us from God and from one another. That is the sea that we are in. And so Jesus comes along and he says, if you follow me, I will make you fish for people. And what he's saying is, I will make you someone who knows how to draw people out of the darkness, out of their self-centeredness into the kingdom of light. Have you ever come into the sphere of influence of someone who internally is so happy, so well-adjusted, so emotionally full, that they're not thinking of themselves at all? They're thinking of you. Have you ever come into the sphere of influence of somebody who, instead of using you for their own purposes, exploiting you, they just serve you? They put their resources practically and emotionally, spiritually, at your service. When you encounter this, it's like coming out of the darkness, coming out of the dog-eat-dog world where everybody is out for themselves. And you see, when you come into the realm of someone like that, that is a fisher of people. That is someone who has been healed of their own self-absorption, their own self-centeredness, so that they can now turn around and draw other people into the light, the light of serving God and of serving others. Jesus says to us, he says, I have a vision for your glory to turn you into a fisher of people, to heal the pride and the self-centeredness that is ruining your life. But in order to heal you, I need to take you on a journey. I need you to to follow me. I need you to go where I lead you, to trust me. I need you to stick with me, not turn back. And if you do this, he says, I will make you someone great, someone who can change lives. George MacDonald, he was a 19th century Scottish writer and minister, and he has this great little children's book called The Princess and the Goblin. But in the book, he tells the story of Irene. Irene is eight years old, and she lives in this great big house. And she has found in this house, in the attic, that sometimes a woman will appear. This is her fairy grandmother. She's not always there, but often her fairy grandmother will come to the attic and talk to her. And Irene, 
She loves her fairy grandmother. Her grandmother teaches her, makes her wise. But one day, her fairy grandmother appears and gives her a ring. And this ring has a thread tied to it, and the thread goes to a ball, a, b a ball of thread. And the grandmother says, I'm giving you this ring with a thread attached to it, and I will keep the ball. I don't see the thread, says Irene. Oh, the thread is too fine to see, says the grandmother, but you can feel it. Oh, I do feel it. Now, says the grandmother, if you ever find yourself in danger, this is what you must do. You must take off the ring, put it under the pillow, lay your forefinger on the thread, and follow the thread wherever it leads you. Oh, how delightful, says Irene. It will lead me to you, grandmother, and therefore I will be safe. Yes, says the grandmother, but it may seem a very roundabout way that you must go. But you must not doubt the thread. No matter where it takes you, just remember, while you hold one end, I hold the other. A few days later, Irene is in bed, and the goblins get into the house. Irene can hear the goblins snarling in the hallway. But Irene has the presence of mind to take off the ring, put it under, under the pillow, and she begins to feel the thread. And she says, good. The thread is going to take me to grandmother and to safety. But to her dismay, instead of taking her to the back steps up to the attic, it takes her outside. And then as she keeps following the thread, she realizes it is taking her right towards the cave of the goblins. And when she keeps on following the thread into the cave, it leads her right up to a rock wall, a heap of stones, a dead end. A thought struck her. She could follow the thread backwards and at least get out. But the instant she followed it backwards, it vanished from her touch. Grandmother's thread only worked forward. But forward it led into a heap of stones. Backward it lead, led nowhere. Irene burst into tears and threw herself on the ground. But after crying, she realized, I have got to follow my thread. And so she gets up and she decides the only way to follow the thread is to tear down this rock wall. So she starts by pulling stone after stone, pulling and pulling. Her fingers begin to bleed. But then all of a sudden she hears a voice, and it's her friend Curdie who has been trapped in the goblin's cave. And Curdie is astounded, and he says, How did you ever find me? My grandmother sent me, said Irene. I had no idea why she had me come this way, but now I know why. So Curdie says, Great. We can get out of the cave. And he starts to leave. But the thread keeps going deeper and deeper into the cave. And Irene says, I'm sorry, but I have to follow my thread. Curtis says, what do you mean? We got to get out of here. But she says, no, I have to follow it. If I had given up on my thread before, I would not have found you. I wouldn't have rescued, saved you, been able to get you out of this evil cave. I must follow my thread. You see, that's what Jesus is asking us, to follow him, just like Irene followed her thread. And the truth is, it will take us often to places that we don't understand, places that seem like dead ends. 
And yet Jesus promises that if we follow him, if we obey him, if we do his will, as best as we understand, if we do this, he will make us a fisher of people. He will transform us, heal us of our own self-absorption so that we can turn around and draw other people into the light of serving God and serving others. And lastly, I'll say, as we follow this thread Jesus gives to us, we have to remember that Jesus did everything that he will ask of us. When Jesus told James and John to leave their father, he had already left his father, left his father's throne for us. And his thread, his thread, it led to the cross, to his death, but then ultimately to his resurrection. He did this for us. And so now we follow. We follow so that he can give us this new life, this new life that we then turn around and share with others. Jesus says to us today, follow me and I will make you fish for people.